This is 40K Today. Thanks to the new rules, when you're an engagement range of this podcast, you can still operate on your top profile. Hashtag new 40K. Hello and welcome to a special Best of 40K Today. Monday through Friday, we're your daily 15-minute news, views, and interviews deep dive into the whole hobby of Warhammer 40,000. Today, we bring you a selection of our favorite interviews from the week. We have to say a massive thanks to our friends at Frontline Gaming for having us in on a Saturday. If you like what you hear, give us a listen during the week at 40ktoday.com, or you can find us via your favorite podcast player. Just search for 40K Today. I'm your host, John Damaris, and today on the program... Paul Murphy talks with the Lorehammer guys with one of the most compelling interviews we have ever had. Trust me, you're going to want to listen to this one. Hashtag new 40K, Brad Chester swings by to tell us why he thinks 9th edition is going to be great. Junior Aflehi loves what Ninja War brings to the Imperial Knights, so make sure you listen to find out why, and Tanya talks to another woman in Warhammer. Let's get this show on the road. The ninth edition hype train is rolling on, and all I can say is choo-choo, baby, let's go. I got to speak with the one and only Brad Chester, and he lets us know why the future looks bright for ninth edition. All right, joining me today is the one and only Brad Chester, the oldest man in 40K. No, I'm just kidding. That's probably me. But, <laughs> still me. I'm still older than you. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> like a year. So you're here today from the Art of War to tell us some coaching tips and to talk about you know, the new 40K, which is I think everybody's super excited about. And we're all just waiting, like, just give us the rules, GW. <laughs> so much. Want. So much. I'm going to talk about a rule today that they have released, which is the fact that the vehicles and the tanks, basically tanks, monsters, can shoot into combat. And and I've been playtesting it a little bit, and it is a big, big deal. I think it's going to, the meta is going to be, I'm super excited for the meta, by the way, but because I think it's going to be wide open. But one of the things you're going to have to, uh, I was just saying earlier before we were recording, that your, your mind says, touch that tank, grab that dreadnought, and I can only take X amount of wounds. That's not the case anymore, man. You're going to have to get used to the fact that these guys are going to shoot you in combat. Redemptor Dreadnought, big tank, especially a Dreadnought that has combat uh, because you're effectively getting him free if you consolidate into him. You're giving him free attacks, and on his shooting phase, you're giving him his shooting phase dedicated into killing that unit. So unless it's something that you're okay with it just being deleted or just making it so he can't move, that, that is also a strategy in and of itself. But I've also found that certain times, like armies that you would never think that are going to want to get into combat are going to start grabbing units because they have an option for being there. Tau, Tau, Riptides are monsters. So are the the uh, Ghost Keels and things like that. So you can do things where you don't want someone to, to leave and go, you know, perform that new action ability that they've showed in the, the things they've released so far. So I... That brings me to a question. Do you think we're going to see like a more evocative form of 40K? Like, will be, tanks be driving across the table and running into things like uh, a tank normally would, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if you think about what a tank would do, that's what it would do, right? The, 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 the monster stuff, it, it, just yesterday, I put on the board uh, 200 monsters creatures. Uh, just because I, 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 you know, you, I, we all owned them. If you played back in the day, and you played, everybody, I think, bought one uh, Nidzilla army at some point in time, or their, one of their buddies did. So, you, you know what I mean? But we had that, and I was sitting there, and I go, what about just playtesting, you know, uh, an army with Carnifexes with uh, double uh, Devourers with Brain Leech, you know what I mean? 12 shots apiece. 
uh, and use, use the current points. I don't know the new points at all. You know what I mean? So right. just use current points to do it, but with the new monster rules, because that whole army didn't work because you could literally, you know, put your middle finger on the on the Carnifex and just go, you can't shoot. And he only has, what, three or four attacks. You're never going to get unit off you. But man, that dude shooting 12 shots in a combat plus his attacks is legit. They're, they're not the end-all, be-all. I don't know if I would make the tournament out, but like things like that can make a comeback. You know, Different units, different play styles can then do something. Because then you have the option, uh, especially being weirdly aggressive with Tau. You know what I mean? Just taking the, uh, the, the field and bouncing up and going, oh, I don't want this unit to leave next turn. So I'm going to grab them because I know that I'm not stuck because I can just shoot them to death um, if, they, if they don't choose to fall back kind of thing. Well, also, like, it's a way for you to take something away from your opponent because now they have the option of staying in combat with you and getting shot or falling back and then not being able to charge or not being able to shoot or not being able to do both, right, depending on, on what exactly. it is. Well, exactly. And the thing is, is that, it, you know, let's, let's just say falling back's bad. So, <laughs> you know, if, if you're locking somebody down, they, they don't get to do a lot of things. And if you looked at the, like the new mission, they, 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 the mission they showed, which was mission four, I think, to the towers, uh, you have to actually perform a lot of actions uh, to take your secondaries and a lot of the secondaries they released. So you, they showed, uh, I think, five and each mission has its own secondary and stuff like that. Um, if you're grabbing people, you know, they can't go do what they wanted to do kind of thing. So because they're falling away from you. So okay. it's a reason to play, but it makes it a, it a I don't, it's a more complex, more intricate way to play um, without, you know, going, oh, I brought tanks and I, a guy touched me, so I was done, or my walking monster was done. Now, like, now you can be pretty dynamic in your move and you have reasons to do things to shut things down. And then you also have the, the give take of, well, these new monsters and tanks are really good, but am I going to be able to take the objectives and interact with things? So now it's a, it gives one more variable for list design. And I really like that a lot. And I'm super looking forward to working with people as soon as these, uh, as soon as ninth edition's out, it's right. so dynamic for me because I want to make new, I want to help people with new lists because there's so many questions now. There's more, there's just more. That, that's my thing is it's a little bit more complex um, in just the, the answers, the questions you're asking and giving answers for each one. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I know you're a play tester and you can't tell people what they can do, but what you can tell them is, is the future bright for ninth edition? Like, because we asked Brian Paul on this question, like, how excited are you for ninth? Like, what's super you tell psyched? I'm, I'm, I'm crazy psyched. I've, I've literally since, since uh, COVID quarantine broke for Ohio, and I got to start playtesting again. You know, with my playtest partner, um, we've smashed uh, two, two, two to three week, days a week. Uh, trying to play because I'm so excited about Ninth Edition. Obviously, I also want to get out of the house and do something. But we're we're just killing games, and it's and I'm having such a good time playing. I think that it's obviously it's new and everything, and it feels good, you know, to play the new stuff. But the interactions are so much better, man. Just the the tank things, you know, the dreadnought things. It's just there's there's more things you can do. And I'm a list builder guy too, so I just yeah. enjoy when you, when you go, hey, Brad you have to figure out how you can answer these 20 questions when it only used to be 10. You know what I mean? So I think it's, it's exciting. The, the meta is open. So there's lots of things that are actually viable that weren't viable before. So I think there's a lot of armies. I think we ended the tournament scene at a bad place and we're showing up at a great place because they did that balance change right after LVO, which I think changed a lot, made things a lot better. 
And then we have an addition that makes a lot of the bad things good things. So I'm and really, I'm super bad. Good. Everybody's got a psychic awakening by the time ninth rolls around, or mostly, I think. Everybody, so everybody will. And then you got new code, new stuff coming out for people that have. I mean, you know, the, the Silent Kings coming out. They've already told you that. That's, <laughs> yep. If you're a Kron guy, that's a huge thing, man. I've heard the Necrons are quite good. <laughs> I've heard that through the grapevine. So they, uh, I don't, you can't comment. Yeah, they, I'm just saying that. I know a couple of my buddies play Necrons and they keep bugging me about it. And I just go, how about this? You're going to be happy with your codex. I think hey, you're going to be happy. How about that? You can't ask for that. So I guess we'll leave it with that. The future looks bright. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was Brad Chester. Those Necrons sound pretty promising. All right. Next up, we have a, a, a great segment that was done by our own Paul Murphy with the guys from Lorehammer. Have you ever been lore curious? If so, this is the segment for you. Yes, Paul for 40K Today, and I'm joined tonight by the guys from Lorehammer, Eric and Mark. Hey, Paul. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Paul. Thanks for having us on. Yo, thanks for joining me. For folks that may not be aware of you, you guys do a podcast and all kind of other stuff. Got Discord and stuff. Tell me about what you have going on. Uh, yeah, so we started off doing a podcast because I was running out of friends to talk to 40K about. So I said, what better way than to just make a podcast and talk to as many people as we can. So <laughs> yeah, we've been doing Lorehammer for three years now, and it's we've talked to hundreds, maybe thousand people by now. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of different ways that we interact with people too, whether, uh, yeah, it's on our Discord or uh, we chat with people on our Facebook or we do daily lore posts on Instagram which is pretty cool. We just have uh, pictures of really awesome 40K artwork and then little snippets of lore to try and get conversations rolling about what it is. So that's yeah, really cool. Those are probably one of my favorite things that we do. Yeah, it's just, it's very easily digestible, which a lot of 40K content is not. <laughs> well, it's a big universe, man. Just because, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> our, yeah, our Instagram page, we do like, yeah, that quick little snippet of lore, so. <laughs> That's on the Lorehammer Lore Instagram page. So what do you guys, I mean, if people can't guess, what do y'all talk about on your podcast? <laughs> well, we focus specifically on in-story uh, universe or in-universe stories, sorry. Yeah. Uh, specifically talking about how the universe um, kind of functions and kind of the underlying rules that exist within it and how all these different races act and react within it. So it, it's a pretty broad thing, but we avoid talking about the gameplay itself and we really focus on the story. Yeah. And another big portion we do too is we we help or try to help people come up with their own story and how they can work their lore into existing lore without it being, you, you know, know, just a little, crazy. Yeah. Try, wow. try and keep things as, as realistic in a fictional universe as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a tough one, but yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. Do you have a, yeah. a favorite time period? Like both of you, do you have – like, what's, what's your favorite time period within the 40K like scope of stories? Oh, boy. Um, I think for me, I really liked uh, the age of apostasy and oh. just the whole like uh, how the ecclesiarchy was founded because it's such a big portion of 40K – and absolutely it's yeah. just so untapped like the whole george van dyer heresy and, type thing and yeah yeah and like thor sebastian thor yeah yeah, yeah yeah like the hero of the imperium yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just such a huge part that has shaped 40k drastically like it's all this whole religious ceremony and stuff and that all comes from that time frame yeah, that that's a very cool one uh it's really tough for me. Part of me absolutely loves uh, old Ned Necron story of the war in heaven and the stories even before they were um, 
Necron and they had just been flesh and blood with old ones. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm hesitant to to try and focus on that because I, I just I want the stories to be set in 40K, but I love that old timey information and the origin of it. Well, Everyone loves an origin story. In the warp, you know, between the two areas of the galaxy, you know, imagine the galaxy is a sphere and they travel between this the sphere. I don't know. It's it's really it's really captivating. I'm with you. And the age of apostasy, you're, you're you're dead on. I've actually one of my Adepticon team themes was based around that and the marine chapters or whatever. And it's so cool. It's like when um when what's his name? They, he decided to blow up a bunch of uh, Black Templar citadels. Okay, oh, what? Uh, and that yeah, that, I think I, mean, I don't. One of the things that unfortunately, I can't help you. The age of apostasy is when God, what's his name? What's the uh, the, the chancellor's Joe, name? Doge Vandire. Yeah, that Wait, is it Vandire? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe so. I think that yeah, you're, you're yeah. Like, there's just so much untapped potential. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's uh, I mean that wasn't even in our in in the the pre Indominus Crusade time period that wasn't even that long ago in mm-hmm. uh like space marine lore you know regular i guess just lore 40k lore yeah absolutely like it's like for for the long lifespan of space marines and for the like the fact that they're so steeped in this to have it happen only you know five thousand years ago is, is not that long for them so do you guys think there's plenty yeah. still plenty of stories to tell in between like 10 minutes after the heresy and where we are now Oh. <laughs> oh yes, you can pick apart any one of those uh, ages that they have yeah. that all have these cool little snippets of lore that I would love to see expanded. Uh, absolutely, I think there's infinite possibilities, really, in in a galaxy where almost you can find anything and any iteration of humanity that you ever wanted on this on on these planets. So uh, it's it's one of the coolest settings because it's created a very open-ended place for storytelling. Uh, with the storytelling in mind, do you have any wish list or predictions of how, how the story is going to advance? And how cool is it that we get to talk about the story advancing? We've been playing this game for I'm gonna thirty something years or whatever. <laughs> the story yeah. is like it, it's always been you know five five minutes to midnight, but here we are. We're we're moving that clock. What are your predictions? Oh man, that's. That's tough. I'm notoriously bad for making predictions, so uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Oh, they could be wrong. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I'm starting to lean more and more that I don't think they're going to be bringing any more loyalist primarchs out. I think we we have ninth edition being released, and there's no hint of a loyalist primarch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems like that would be the perfect time to do it. We might just be stuck with Gilliman now. Well, stuck is a strong word. Ah. Uh, Cursed. (laughs) So we did a series a little while ago on the Black Crusades with Abaddon, the Despoiler, and I kind of learned a lot about the real horror that is Chaos Space Marines, and that is the Black Legion. Um, And so after seeing the culmination of the 13th Black Crusade, I'm really wanting another solid Black Crusade. Like, I, I just enjoy reading about all the times that he uh, came and was doing his assaults. And I got, like, a new respect for him. I, I mean, he's memed pretty hard into uselessness. Um, <laughs> when it's not the case. Yeah, when when he's, like, one of the craziest creatures out there. And so I'm really excited for them to incorporate a Black Crusade into the whole Imperium versus Necron uh, setting that they're kind of orchestrating for Ninth. Yeah, over over time, I think I feel you were or Abaddon. He, he's almost become like a caricature, uh, you know, a cartoon of himself. But when you've got some of just those, just the stout people writing for him now, he's mm-hmm. basically a indomitable force of nature, and it's 
I'd love to see. So I agree with you. I think that would be great, a great thing to see. Yeah, because he got his whole new model a year ago or whatever, and we really didn't get much about him. Yeah, we got Vigilus out of him, and then that was kind of it. So I'm yeah. really hoping they've got something on the back burner that they're going to splash in my face, and it's going to shock me again. So <laughs> You know what we lost? What's that? What? Kadia. No! No, not Kadia. <laughs> <laughs> well guys thank y'all for joining me uh i, I want to catch up with y'all again soon hopefully we can do that yeah for sure man. that Thanks sounds awesome us. paul thank you so much that was 40k today's paul murphy and that was all about lorehammer thanks guys for tuning in next up on the show we talk to another woman in warhammer this episode is brought to you by hp instant ink no one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. Today's episode of 40K Today is brought to you by Frontline Gaming. Frontline Gaming is a one-stop shop for all your Warhammer hobby needs, discounted products, American-made gaming mats and terrain, and a full line of miniatures painting service and daily hobby content. And this can all be found at FrontlineGaming.org. Welcome back. Tanya sits down with Jen, and they both talk about their experiences as being women in the Warhammer universe. All right, we are here for another Women in Warhammer feature, and I'm sitting here with Jen. Thanks, Jen, for being on the program. No, thanks for having me. So what the Women in Warhammer feature is, is we just find women who are passionate about the hobby, competing, lore, anything like that. <laughs> we just like to sort of get to know them a little bit better. So awesome. maybe we could start off with you giving our listeners a little bit of uh, a background and how you got started in Warhammer and Wargaming in general. Okay. Um, well, my family growing up was always very much into board games. And shortly after I started to date my husband, I uh, discovered that he was very much into games as well, only he tended to play a lot more of the video games. Um, and we moved to the mainland and I said, I'm done. I don't want to do all these online games where we have no interaction with people. Couldn't we find a board game group or something? And he goes, well, there was this game I played when I was a teenager. And I went, okay, so what is it? He goes, well, it's called Warhammer and there's actually a store in town. I said, great, let's go. And it, it kind of backfired on me. It went from being a easy game to learn to we owned just about everything. That's really interesting that you have like an entire family of gamers in your house. What is it like playing with them, but also playing against them? challenging <laughs> yeah yeah my oldest was three when we were doing a lot of of painting and so he wanted to paint so that's how it started with him so our kids grew up with models around with our painting desk around um, and they just learned you don't touch and then they started collecting their own stuff um, my youngest two are nine and eleven now they do more of the D&D figs, but my oldest has a Blood Angel army um, and a Skaven army and a few other things that he's played. 
My biggest challenge with playing against my kids is no different than when I play against any other kid. You feel bad when you beat them. (laughs) (laughs) But it builds character for fun. Well, (laughs) yes, but then it's it's hard to think of. I have all of this skill from when I've played in tournaments and stuff, and the strategy is different in my brain than it is in theirs. Yes. So I find that part to be challenging, but Mm -hmm. it's actually gaming against my husband that's harder than my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to level with you. My husband and I also hate playing against each other. Yeah. 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 I can definitely say it's caused more than its fair share of uh, your sleeping on the couch discussions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can relate for sure. But we enjoy painting together. Yes. Yes. My husband's desk is right beside mine as well. Um, Now you mentioned tournaments and I thought maybe we could touch on the fact that you help organize Kipper's Melee, which is one of the biggest uh, wargaming tournaments in Western Canada. It's Um, super weird to hear that that's the case. (laughs) But it is the case. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, And I just think that's really cool. But in my experience, my limited experience, there's not actually a lot of women who go to tournaments, at least not in my area. Have you found this? In my experience, I was the only woman in wargaming on the West Coast until about the same time that I started chatting with you a little bit on Facebook back when we had that women in wargaming Facebook page with everybody. After that, I started to see some people. It really started changing when uh, Age of Sigmar hit was when we started seeing some growth of, of females coming out. And it was tough. I I mean, I grew up with all guys. So for me, it wasn't a big deal to go hang out with the guys and do what's traditionally known as guy things. Yeah. But for a lot of women, it's intimidating. It's It's that guy atmosphere in the room and it's the way the guys talk and joke and you know comment and I I actually worked for Games Workshop for a little while um after my oldest was born um and I was the one that would say bring your girlfriend you guys stop talking to them about playing and painting let me talk to them nice and a few yeah. of them started uh, that way by the time I left um Vancouver we had three or four girls coming out on a fairly regular basis. But that was because we made the environment comfortable for them. We made sure the guys were more conscious of the things they were saying. (laughs) (laughs) So just one more question. If you were going to give any advice to a woman who was considering coming out to a tournament of some kind, but was having a little bit of reservation about it, what would your advice be to them? Bring a friend. Yep. Come out anyway, despite the anxiety that it gives you. Come track down one of us ladies that is there because, you know, Attack X and Wet Coast typically have more than just me that go to them now. Yep. Um, and if it's Kippers, come hang out with me. I, I don't game at Kippers anymore. There's just not enough time in my day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot of fun to socialize and introduce people around and, and help make them feel a lot more comfortable. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jen. No problem. That was another great discussion between Jen and Tanya. Let's talk some Imperial Knights with Junior Aflehi.
Junior, welcome to the show. We are super duper excited to have you because we get to talk about some of my favorite models, the Imperial Knights. Now, they just had a Psychic Awakening drop. Have you had a chance to look over the rules? I did. Um, I got the Psychic Awakening book, um, did some studying, and I'm, I'm excited for, for some of these uh, new interactions for my army. So, Okay, well, let's talk about it. So you, you have obviously a very competitive bent or slant or take on the game because uh, you compete very well with Imperial Knights. What are you most excited to get on the table? Like maybe give us three things that you think will be competitive and, and you're excited to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll start with the... Uh, the, the one thing that I like about the allegiance, um, the imperialis, the vow of honor. What's nice is you get you know plus one to your advance and charge rolls. Um, they don't stack with landstrider, but just getting a, a sweet bonus like that, just for being a knight, um, I think it's really needed. Um, but as far as like what I look forward to playing, um, one of the things that I use all last season, well, most of the season, I should say, was a valiant, um, hawksrod valiant. Caught a lot of people off guard with the, that two CP stratagem to uh, Overwatch for Imperium units. Um, the one right. nice and, thing is, and the Valiant's the one that has the big flamer, right? So, yep. <laughs> so, so that is a really, really nasty Overwatch if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, uh, catching people off guard, you know, they can Overwatch for other units, kind of like Tau. Um, was really sweet. Uh, the nice thing, though, is uh, you know that you would uh, flame them, and then they would still charge you. Well, Psychic Awakening, they got a sweet little a stratagem for one CP. Um, so after your Valiant has fired Overwatch, you subtract two from the charge rolls made for units that um, that the model targeted. So it's it's uh, pretty nice anytime you can subtract from the charge rolls. And what's nice. About the the valiant, as a lot of people take the traitor's pyre for imperialis, and you can reroll wounds. That's gross. So actually, minus two to charges is is a huge number. It doesn't seem like it'd be that that impactful, but I mean, all you have to do is talk to anybody that tries to charge impulsors, and they'll tell you that it's like or charge through craters, or worse yet, you know, the valiant is standing in a crater. <laughs> Suddenly, you've got a real <laughs> problem, right? So. Yeah. That is really, really powerful because even better than having a good Overwatch and doing a bunch of damage to them on the way to their coming in is them never getting there, right? So, yep. Um, another thing that I look forward to using is uh, the good old Gallant. Um, so, not only are you getting plus one to your advance and charge, um, but they have a new uh, stratagem for Linebreaker. Um, what that does, it increases their piling and consolidation moves to six inches. So, if you really want to a gallant moving through somebody's line, um, that's going to be a nice stratagem on a, on that kind of unit. Yeah. So you can use that to like, you know, maybe you punch a hole in a unit or whatever, and then a six inch consolidate, and then you tie up everything behind it that they didn't want you to tie up, which is a big deal because, you know, it's not like there's a lot of things you can tie up like, uh, you know, thunder fire cannons or whatever else you can get a hold of. Where you know you just shut them all off for a turn. I think I I could see why you'd be excited about that. Plus, gallants are super cheap, right? They're like a really efficient point cost model. Um, they're the cheapest of the big units um, because they don't have really any kind of fire um, support. Uh, really, um, they have heavy stubbers. But um, one of the things that they have again, if you take that in House Terran, uh, they have a fight a fight twice stratagem. And so imagine going six inches. Pile in, consolidate, and then fight again immediately after. Not the not at the end, but it, immediately. 
So oh, then another six inch consolidate. So really, he just gets to get as deep as he wants. There's yeah. there's no there's no screen that guy. Like, there's <laughs> no screen in that guy. Plus, uh, Imperialis still have that three CP stratagem to outflank a knight, so you can start him nine inches away um, from a board edge. So it's really powerful. Well, that's um, cool. So and, and actually, if you think about it, with the way it looks like. Um, Ninth edition is going to be. You're probably going to have more CPs to play with, right? Oh yeah, uh, a lot more CPs, so you can invest more into these knights. Um, that that gallant that I was talking about for Imperialis, uh, one of the new warlord traits that you can give them. Uh, you subtract one to hit roll in the in close combat against him, and he also subtracts one to attacks from vehicles and monsters. So he's more survivable. Well, that's really cool. So you. <laughs> So uh, if I'm picking up what you're putting down, you tell me if, if I'm I'm kind of picking this up. But you can basically rocket this guy into somebody's lines, do a ton of damage, tie up a bunch of stuff that he doesn't want tied up. And then when they go to counterpunch it, you can make it minus one to hit and minus one to attack. You know, if they come in with, like like you said, a monster or something. Um, that's pretty cool, actually. Because, <laughs> you know, even if that just means that thing is around for one more turn. I mean, that's kind of a deal with it or else it, the game can kind of spiral out of control really, really yep. fast. And that's all you need. It You need it to, to last a couple turns. Um, you can still give it the relic to um, have a four-up invulnerable in close combat with the rotate ion shields. So that's one of the things that's exclusive to Imperial Knights that Chaos Knights don't have. Um, so that's, uh, again, survivability. It's huge for Knights. Also, the two-plus armor is also pretty good depending on what you're against, right? Yep, that's also um, another one. So Imperial Knights have been more defensive versus Chaos Knights. They really put out a lot of damage. So it's like they're yin and yang. Very cool. All right, well, Junior, thanks for breaking it down. It sounds like Psychic Awakening has given you a lot of tools to play with. So it'll be an interesting time going into the new edition. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to playing my Knights in, in the, the tournament scene here coming up. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see some big stompy robots on the table again. Okay. Here we go. Time for that special song. It's time for Model of the Day. It's the, the model of the day. The, the model of the day. The, the model of the day. Every day during our regular weekday show, we feature a model of the day. And we've been able to show off some stunning work this week. This week's model of the week is one you might have already seen. But today's model is by EvilPro40K on Instagram. He's done a Space Wolf Impulsor with absolutely beautiful yellows and a gorgeous gray. The weathering is fantastic, and the details on the instrument panels is where this model really stands out. You can actually see, like, it looks like instrumentation doing its thing, radar screens and everything else. It is super cool, and it must be seen to be believed. A truly stunning piece on any tabletop. You can check it out uh, on our Facebook and Instagram. Or if you want to, there should be a link to Evil Pro's Instagram in the show notes below. If you have a model that you want us to feature on the show, or you've seen a model that we should feature, don't hesitate to let us know. Use the hashtag 40K today, and we'll come find it on Instagram. Or send us a link to our Facebook, and uh, we'll definitely go check it out. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. A big thanks to our content producer, Alex Painter, and our social media superstar, Tanya Gates, and our technical producer, Seamus Ronan for all their amazingly hard work once again in putting this program together. If you liked what you heard on the show today, make sure you come check us out over at 40kToday.com or on your favorite podcast platform. We do a 15-minute show every day of the week 
with exactly the kind of information that you found on today's show. We'll see you next week. Until then, for the 40K Today team, I'm John Damaris, and that's what's happening in 40K Today.